Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Great to have you with us on the post-game show here on Optus Sport. And lovely to have your company if you're listening in on the Optus Sport football podcast as well. I'm Neve Owens here alongside Catherine Canooley, Joe Montemuro and Tanya Oxtoby. T, we've just witnessed our third nil-nil draw of the Women's World Cup, a record that perhaps we didn't want to set this early no, in the No, I was hoping for some goals tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I think as we've spoken about, it was um, a defensive sort of masterclass, I suppose, uh, from both teams, but a little bit lacklustre for me from Norway. I would have expected a little bit more to try and break down the lines and, and use the, the wide areas, maybe some wide rotations, but... You know, maybe uh, the, ne- the next time around we'll get some goals. Well, speaking of goals, you promised me four. What happened to that 2-2 <laughs> two, two prediction pre-game? I wanted more goals. I thought <laughs> looking at these team sheets and looking at the players that took the field tonight, we should have seen more goals. And for me, in the front third, both teams just weren't clinical enough. Their decision-making was poor. And you know what? As a striker, when you get into that box, why are people not shooting? Do you know an impact, I am sure would have been the fact that Hegerberg was ruled out on the cusp of kickoff, Joe. For anyone who missed the start of this clash, she did the warm-up, we saw her there for the anthems, and just as the game was about to kick off, she headed back down the tunnel. We're hearing a possible groin injury during that last sprint at the warm-up, but without her and without Graham Hansen, all of a sudden you've got a lot of creative ability that's just not there for Norway. Yeah, it changes a little bit of the dimensions of, uh, of your attacking third. Uh, I mean, players of that calibre and players of that, uh, that quality. Roman Haug did really well. I thought she, uh, she was actually quite, quite uh, positive in, the, in those areas, especially with crosses. Um, you know, she was making these good little runs, but obviously when you've got that quality on the bench and or not playing, it's, uh, it, does, it does play on you a little bit. Let's have a look at some of those opportunities created by Norway then because you mentioned how she was a late introduction into the starting side but at half-time, Norway, she had three shots which was more than any other player on the park. She did. I think she was brilliant tonight. I thought once she came on, obviously she got the call up and it's not always easy knowing that you're starting off the bench but, you know, in front of goal, she, you know, it's nice that she's taking that shot straight away. She's not thinking, she's not trying to bring it down. She's shown, you know, a striker instinct as well. Yeah. She's, she's very good. Uh, she's very good with sort of double movements. She'll make a movement towards the ball, then she'll peel away, and you lose her for that second. And if the delivery is good, uh, she'll really hurt you. The other thing was uh, was also when uh, when Graham Hansen came on, there was a couple of early crosses, which is classic her, and uh, you know it could have could have gone the other way. Norway have now gone four matches without scoring a goal at a major tournament tee. Heading into that final group game, where knockout football is still. An option. It's still achievable. What needs to change? Um, they need to score first of all. <laughs> like, I mean, it's um, they need a little bit more fluidity. We we were talking in the first half that you know everything was in front of Switzerland in their defensive mm. set- setup, and they weren't really breaking any lines. And you know when they did get forward and they did deliver into dangerous areas, they created opportunities. It just wasn't um, it wasn't often enough for me. And they've got a massive task coming into their last game to get themselves out of this group, which is sort of disappointing in a way because they've got such a good group of players and we want to see them in the next round but they've got a massive job to do. 
What can Hager Risa do? Can she get the best out of these players in the Norway side? Let's have a look at the opportunities that Switzerland created in this contest, Nules, because at half-time, I felt like Switzerland were in control of this game. I totally agree with you, Neve. I think Switzerland were the better team in the first half, to be honest. You could see Buckman here gets herself into the box there, and again, just in two minds about whether she's going to slip that player in or whether she's going to shoot, and, and that's where they fell short a little bit tonight. It's just unfortunate that, you know, when strike do get themselves in those situations you've got to have that decision making here you can see that instinct right there as soon as you get the touch boom strike you know that's what we need more of in, in that front third and you can see there there's there's enough numbers around the ball for Norway but when Backman picks that ball up towards the edge of the box and she starts driving they're backing away and backing away and that's the sort of presence and aura she's got about her in and around that box that actually you don't want to go diving in around that in that area because she's got the skill to go around you she tried, didn't she, to create opportunities, Barkman, for Switzerland. As we have a look at some of the statistics from this nil-nil draw at Waikato Stadium. Looks even to me, Joe. What is standing out for you from that stat pack? Nil-nil usually says <laughs> the ball recovery. I mean, the ball recovery looked 14 seconds, so teams were receiving the ball and keeping it quite a lot. Um, passes were pretty much the same. And, I mean, you know, possession control was 43 to 43, which is pretty obvious. Yeah, which from a spectator's perspective was the vibe, wasn't it? Switzerland in control at half-time. Norway fought their way back into the contest in the second half. From a Norwegian perspective heading into the next game, considering the fact they are six games, six matches without a win across all competitions, Nules, how concerning is that and how much does Hagerisa need to change? Very concerning, especially having a team that she has. You look at this, this team on paper... She should be doing better with this team. And, you know, coming into this last game now, she really needs to make some sort of changes. And, and for me, you know, we've spoken about Guru Wrighton as well, been in the middle of the park. You know, when you're coming up against two banks, as, as they did against Switzerland, you've got to get the ball in those wider areas and start to go around teams. And, you know, they could have exploited that with making some sort of changes at halftime and starting to put a player like Wrighton in those wider areas and starting to get her playing and start dictating things as well. With the quality that Norway have got, I mean, if you coach against them, you would you would back off a little bit and reduce all the spaces. And the disappointing thing in the first half was that all the build-up they had, there was one stage, I think, uh, Switzerland were pressing with one player and they had four or five players underneath underneath that player. I mean, you know, you've got players who can play in advanced position, who can receive the ball in advanced positions, yet they didn't sort of even look to try to find those solutions. And it felt like absolutely nothing happened quickly or with real intent, which we saw a little bit earlier on because the Philippines took on New Zealand, the home side who had that epic win in the opener that they celebrated hard in New Zealand. Well, Alan Stagic's Philippines side got one back today. It was a remarkable result. The first ever goal for their country at a Women's World Cup and the first ever victory. Talk me through this moment, Nils. Oh, look, we've spoken about it a lot with the Philippines. They, they're working on those set pieces. You could see the first one that came in, the second phase ball there. Serena Bolden in between the sticks, knowing what her role is. You know, she's gotten up between those two defenders and got a head on it. And what a fantastic moment for the Philippines national team and, and the whole country. Celebrating the positives first, and that was Serena Bolden scoring the first goal for her country with their first attempt on target this World Cup. That's the kind of conversion rate we want to see. Yeah, I mean, like a, they make it look easy. So um, you can see the joy on their face. You can see the elation from the bench, you know, what it means to them. And 
good on them. You know, they've they've really changed the outcome of this group, and they, I think. When you look at the performance that they put in today, it's probably no less than they deserved, really. And, um, yeah, it's, it's caused a few problems now for a few other teams. New Zealand thought they had the equaliser, Joe. Beck Smith was watching the game with us okay. in the green room, former Kiwi captain. She 100% thought they had the equaliser. Hannah Wilkinson edging just offside. What did you make of the offside call to begin with? Oh, jeez, it was... Uh... I mean, from a technicality point of view, it is offside. I mean, that's that's what VAR is there for. But uh, you know, it, it didn't look it. It didn't look it from uh, from the first view. But uh, obviously, the uh, you know the, the technical view was uh, was that uh, a VAR? I don't like the technical view. I like the fans' view, Joe. <laughs> well, you we know. were cheering this one home the whole way, T. But it was funny during this game because this time Hannah Wilkinson called offside when the ball had found the back of the net. But Wilco did drift offside a number of times during this contest. Yeah, it's, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I think as a striker, and, and Nils, you'll probably, <laughs> you can probably uh, vouch for this more or have more experience in this area, but, you know, you want to get that advantage on the defender and you want to start to come into those blindside areas, but there's a fine line between doing that and holding your run, and I think she probably didn't quite get that right to, today. And um, something, you know, moving into the next game, just maybe like half a second holding a run or curving a run a little bit more might be helpful. Timing is key, right? And then also that, that relationship with the player that's actually playing that ball in, having that understanding from one another. And you see that a lot at Chelsea with, you know, the midfielders, and especially like Fran Kirby and, and Sam Kerr, you know, how the, the delivery and, and the, the service is amazing. But look, as, as a striker, when it happens once, twice, yeah. three times, you've got to take a deep breath and say, OK, Maybe I have to stay half a yard behind and wait to make that run. And mm. I've got to start to change things. I think for Hannah Wilkinson uh, tonight, she was quite frustrated. You could see that things yeah. weren't working for her. And sometimes when things aren't working for you, Joe, you have to sort of go back to basics. The situation played straight into um, Philippines' hand because they were, uh, they were chasing the game. When you're chasing the game, you start forcing things. You start drifting into positions you don't need to just needs that little bit of patience to say, I'm going to hold the ball up, stay in position and start to play and, uh, and, and maybe wait on the pass. But, uh, you know, when you're chasing a game, you force things and things happen. The absolute finest of margins. And it meant it was an historic day for the Philippines. Let's check in with our friends from across the ditch and football ferns legend Maya Jackman on her emotion after this result. Well, it wasn't New Zealand's night tonight. We came out for the win but it didn't happen for us. The football ferns, they came out, they played football a little, a little too often sometimes, overplayed. And the Philippines, they had a great defensive block, mid-block. We just couldn't get through them. And they just came out defensively, tactically, frustrated us. We couldn't, we couldn't get through them. We had to try and go around them or over the top of them, but they came out with a plan today and they really, really put us off our game plan. We have to look to the Philippines though. I mean, they just made history themselves. First goal in a World Cup, first World Cup, and a first win in the World Cup. So we have to take our hats off to Alan Stadget and his Filipino teams. They came to crash our party and they have. So we have to look forward now. New Zealand, Switzerland, we move forward, try and get the win. But unfortunately, it wasn't our night tonight. Maya, thank you so much. Maya Jackman there after the result. Maya's right, Nules. This is an incredible result for the Philippines and for women's football in the Philippines at their first World Cup. Incredible. Look, they've changed the narrative for young females in the Philippines. And 
it's just amazing to see. You could see the joy on all those girls' faces. You know, I had a little bit of, to do with them um, before they, they left for New Zealand. And they're just so passionate, so thankful, so grateful about all the opportunities that they've been given. And they really play for that jersey. And you can actually see that unity between everybody in that squad. So I'm really happy for not just the players, but the Philippines in general and what they can do moving forward in female football. They're also so well organised, Tanya. And we expect that of Alan Stagic coached sides, but we saw it again today. They were so clear on where they needed to be and tactically what their approach to this game was. Yeah, and I thought they managed the game really well mm. as well when they went ahead. And, um, you know, it was, it was subtle game management. It wasn't kind of the really overt version, but it was enough for them to sort of slow the game down. New Zealand had a couple of good chances. You know, when they did have those chances, they sort of managed to regroup and, and really become structured again. And I thought they did a fabulous job. And um, yeah, you know, whilst New Zealand had some really good opportunities, I actually think they really deserve the, the win today. That's something that Stadge brings to the team. I've been coached by Stadge from a young age and things about game management, they're things that sometimes players as you're growing up, you don't know about, you haven't been taught about that. Mm. And these are things that he's brought to this team you know adding those little one percenters is what's gotten this team to where they are today it's not by chance that they've won this game it's a preparation that they've put into over the last 18 months they've played nearly 30 international games in their last 18 months that is fantastic and that just goes to show what type of uh, preparation they had for this tournament Tournament football, and uh, you know, I, I need to commend Stadge on, on on the way he's gone about it. Is is about extracting everything you can. Game management is part of it. You don't you don't have a lot of time to work, but what he's doing is using his resource as well. He knows that's the game plan that they're going to play. That's the game plan that can possibly get them wins, and he's done it well. And uh, you know, all credit to him. He's used that to eke out an historic moment today. Another piece of history for this Philippine side. So let's hear from the coach, Alan Stadjic. There's a few tears shed out on the pitch and um, miraculous moment for the country and you know for us to come from where we've come from to do that on a, in a World Cup stage and we know how long it took New Zealand to win a World Cup match and you know they've put a lot more into football over a longer period and for us to be able to do it in our second game and you know of course we rode our luck and you know had some unbelievable moments there where we defended for our lives but to do that on this stage against the home nation in front of 30,000 people. Words can't describe it. You definitely crashed New Zealand's party. How proud are you of this team? Again, words can't really describe. You know, I think everyone can watch through the TV and feel through the TV the, the heart they put into the team, uh, into the match. You know, back in the Philippines, they say puso for heart. Um, you can just see that it's written all over the team and, and emblazoned all over the way they play. And, you know, I think every Filipino across the whole world who, who supports football will be sitting up cheering and having a little bit of a smile tonight at, and, and be proud of their troops that were out on the field and pulled off almost a miracle. Can you dare to dream now how far this team can go in this tournament? I said before the tournament, you don't want to put a ceiling on these things when you're new and you're coming to this level for the first time and no one thought we'd get to the semi-finals of the Asian Cup and no one thought we'd beat Thailand for the first time, no one thought we'd beat Vietnam for the first time in the AFF last year, no one thought we could win a regional trophy, no one thought we could win a game at the World Cup. It took New Zealand 15 goes. Um, you know, I think Colombia, South Korea played today and they had one win apiece at the World Cup and they've been to countless World Cups. So for us to be able to do it again in front of 30,000 people and millions back home watching is, you know, beyond special. He's pumped. What a result it is. And he believed from the moment he saw this Group A, these four teams drawn out of the pot, 
in Auckland last year. He believed that it was possible and he's shown us with three teams now. Well, Switzerland on four points, New Zealand and the Philippines both on three points and Norway still possible progression. It is still all up for grabs in Group A, Nils. I am loving this. This is excitement. This is what World Cup football is all about and you don't want to see teams just run away with it because that, that's what keeps this excitement in, in this tournament. Totally agree. I mean, the, the interesting thing is, is that uh, it's so, it's so. Um, what's the word? There's, there's that many combinations on where this thing can go, you know. And, uh, and you know, I, I'll say, I'll repeat many things. That's what World Cup's all about, you know. It's, it's uh, the, the minnow doing something. It's the top league, top nations not, not performing. It's what it's all about. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. What a night it was. Australia opening their account with a victory over the Republic of Ireland. That was last Thursday. I still feel a little bit goosebumpy thinking back. We were all there at the stadium, a record crowd for women's football in Australia. Knowles, what we saw a little bit earlier on with New Zealand, how much of that is a reality check, making sure that you're not still thinking about an incredible start to the tournament when the Matildas take on Nigeria in two days' time? Last game doesn't matter. You, you take the pitch, it's nil or again. You need to go with your next game plan. And, you know, the most organised teams going from game to game, you're not thinking ahead, you're not thinking about what happened before. It's so important that you keep all your emotions and everything in check and you've got to just look forward to this next game now. A couple of extra days for the Matildas to do that to meditate, to make sure they're absolutely up for it on Thursday night in Bris Vegas when they take on Nigeria. But Mark Schwarzer and Amy Chapman have been keeping a really close eye on Tony Gustafsson and his side at training this week. Let's find out the latest. Yeah, today's news out of the Matilda's camp is all about Mary Fowler. We were supposed to chat to her early on today, but then we got word that she actually took a knock towards the end of the training session and that she had to go away for precautionary assessment. But since then, Football Australia have told us that she is all good. No ideal, is it? No, it isn't. I think we're all a bit head shy after what happened with Sam Kerr leading into game one. And you don't want another star like Mary Fowler being having question marks on her leading into game two as well. So um, I think it'll be interesting to watch this space tomorrow and see if she does take part in the session. On a positive note, Caitlin Ford told us that Sam Kerr will definitely be back in this tournament. Yeah, I mean, obviously she was disappointed and we were as well for her to miss that first game. I mean, we've all had it coming for so long and then finally it's there and she wasn't able to be out there with us um, in that game so we just tried to get around her as much as possible and I mean Sam being Sam she wanted the focus to be on the team and not about her and um, yeah she's just doing everything possible to be in the best condition for when she does step back on the pitch and um, yeah she'll, she'll definitely be back in this tournament. Let's talk about Nigeria. If there were any question marks about them defensively, they certainly put an end to that against Canada. Absolutely. I think they'll take a ton of confidence from that performance against Canada. Um, they had their moments as well, particularly I think where they can capitalise is in those transition moments. They like to sit with a low block and then pounce from there once they do win back possession and they've got a lot of speed to work with. You talk about that transition. The forward line obviously is that major threat. Who do we look out for? 
Well, I think Oshuala is, is the key player for them. She's one of the most well-known strikers in women's football, of course, a star for Barcelona. And I think it's this is her tournament to shine and they'll be expecting big things from her. So the more they can get her in behind, the more that will keep Australia pinned back. Well, tomorrow we'll be back at the Matildas training session, the final one ahead of their game against Nigeria on Thursday. And of course, our eyes will be firmly focused on Mary Fowler and hopefully she is fit and raring to go for their game against Nigeria, which is obviously crucial. Schwartzy, Chappie, thank you so much. You won't be alone. All eyes, T, will be on Mary Fowler. We saw a bang home, that great goal against France in the send-off game, especially in Sam Kerr's absence. How important is she? And she physically fit, raring to go, perhaps in that nine role for this Matilda side. Yeah, it's not ideal that she's um, she's picked up a knock. I think, um, you know, with Sam out, she's the next best choice in terms of stepping into that role. And... Um, you know, we saw her against France, obviously scoring that wonderful goal, but it's just not ideal for the squad to have um, a little bit more disruption in terms of availability of players. And fingers crossed that, uh, yeah, it isn't as, you know, it's not a serious one and that we will see her back in time for the game. Coach's worst nightmare, Joe, to have all of this uncertainty around the team in the lead-up. Hopefully Mary Fowler is fine. We also heard from Caitlin Ford there, who is an absolute gun. And if you look at the last 12 months for the national team, she scored seven goals. Sam, Sam Kerr scored four in that time. Mary Fowler, Hayley Rasso, they've scored three. How do you reckon, as someone who's coached Caitlin Ford, she's best utilised well, I'll start with the fact that I think it's good to have these different types of forwards. I think, uh, you know, Mary Fowler's different to Sam Kerr, Sam Kerr's different to, to Caitlin Ford. So I think you can, you can utilise these, 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 uh, these ways of attacking by having all these different, different types of forwards. Caitlin Ford, for me, is, is selfless. And, uh, you know, uh, she's a player that, that will probably draw defenders away for other, pl other players to get involved. But the other thing, she's instinctive. Even in and around the box, she'll invent something. And um, I, you know, I, I've got nothing but praise for, uh, I think, one of the best strikers in the world. I really do. Um, you know, and especially when she drifts wide and comes inside, she's probably one of the best in the world at that. Scary for defences. When she's running at them on the edge, it is incredible. In that opening game, Nulls, I felt like she almost was trying to be everything to everyone. Mm. She was trying to deliver the ball into the box. She was trying to knock it home as well. How do they, in this second game, position Caitlin Ford to get the best out of it? If I'm the Matildas coach, I'm getting her to come, you know, from that 10 role in a wider role where mm. she can run at plays. That's where she is most dangerous for me. I think for her playing in that nine role, as much as she can do it, and she'd done everything that she could possibly do in that opening game. She did. And she put everything on her shoulders. You could see that she took the weight of that team in that game. And that's the type of person that Caitlin Ford is. And you know, I've seen her come through as a young as a young girl through at Sydney FC and all the way to where she is now. For me, she has been the most consistent and best player in that Matilda's setup but I'd like to see her in, in a, either a deeper role or in a wider role. Especially against, uh, against Ireland, I think, with the back three, it was very, very difficult because it was quite congested in there. So with a back four that, that, uh, that Nigeria play, it could be a little bit easier for her to dr sort of drift away and come inside and allow other players to come, in, come into, the, into the foray. But 100%, you're right. I think she took a lot of responsibility in that first game. Um, and I think she just needs to just go back to do what she does best and just get on the ball and run at players. Yeah. Up against a Nigeria side, Tanya, that we saw in that opener against Canada. They are dangerous in transition. They're fast, they're powerful. They cannot be taken lightly. No, they impressed me in that game. You know, they, um, they caused some problems. And I know we, 
we kind of spoke a little bit um, about you know them only being a counter-attacking team, but actually they maintained possession in that game as well and caused some real issues. So <clears throat> Matildas need to be really mindful when they're going forward that actually their rest defence is sorted and set and that they're comfortable that if they give the ball away, they're in a position to, to counter-press, but also if they do go a little bit more direct in behind, um, that they can deal with that as well because that's where the threat's going to come from. We'll see the other Group B game, Ireland up against Canada tomorrow night right here on Optus Sport. That game's over in Perth. And Michelle Escobar has travelled west and she's got the latest ahead of this other Group B matchup. We've landed in Perth and fittingly we are at an Irish pub ahead of Ireland's massive clash with Canada, a match which could have huge ramifications for the Matildas. Like we saw in their Group B opener, the Irish are hard to break down, they boast grit and aren't afraid to get physical. Their World Cup campaign won't get any easier against world number seven, Canada. Since Bev Priestman took over in 2020, they've gone from strength to strength, including winning gold at Tokyo. On paper, they're the favourites for this match. However, after their nil or draw with Nigeria, a win doesn't look like it's guaranteed. Let's talk about the players to watch. Of course, there's Katie McCabe, who is just as impressive in defence as she is in attack, while Canada have one of the most exciting young midfielders in Julia Grosso, and of course, Christine Sinclair, who is just as important for their plans at four. 40 years old. Thousands of Irish fans have already made the trip to Perth. In addition to the contingent that lives here, they will need that extra support because a second loss is sure to send them packing. Canada will be just as desperate for all three points, which is sure to make this an enthralling affair. Or should I say, to be sure, to be sure. Michelle, thank you. Settling into an Irish pub on the West Coast. Woman after my own heart. Nules, when we look ahead to this game and the pressure that is mounting on the Olympic champs in Canada, how important will that execution in the final third be, taking the opportunities that we saw them create in their opener? Very important. I would like to see someone like the likes of Jessie Fleming come back into this team. I think she brings, you know, a, a different perspective to, um, especially up front. She's she's very dynamic. She can she's got an eye for goal, and you know they really need to get three points tomorrow night. It's super important for them. I don't think they would be happy with with that draw against Nigeria, and they need to take everything coming into this game. Christine Sinclair, one of the greatest of all time, looking to become the first player to score a goal at six Women's World Cups. It's a remarkable record and she had an opportunity tee from the penalty spot in that opener that I don't reckon she'd enjoy watching back. No, I thought she had two really good opportunities. One was the penalty, obviously. Um, you know, we, we dissected that at the time and she also had a fantastic opportunity on the edge of the box where she didn't hit the target, which you would back her nine times out of ten to not only put that away, but um, to do it with some style. So, you know, for her, she'll definitely be um, thinking about how she can make an impact in this game moving forward. It'd be fantastic to see her get that goal and get the monkey off her back, I think, a little bit more freedom. And, yeah, she's going to be really, really important for them, as is Jessie Fleming. Um, fingers crossed she'll come back into that side because her ball progression and her ability to break lines with her passing is going to be really important. Bev Priestman, a great tactician, Joe. She'll have looked at that opening game. She'll be thinking hard because Canada have failed to score in their last two World Cup matches. Where do those goals come from? Because they're going to be crucial. Yeah, I think the Jesse Fleming um, uh, conundrum, if you want to call it that, is, is an interesting one because uh, I, I saw Julia Grosso was playing a little bit higher. She's not really a 10 that combines with a 9. Uh, she's more a little bit deep lying. And I think if you put Jesse Fleming closer to Christine Sinclair, I think there could be opportunities centrally and will help, obviously, the wide players when crosses come in.
Let's have a look at Ireland and their build-up to this clash. They rely heavily, Nulls, on Katie McCabe, who was terrific in that opener. It felt like she was everywhere for Ireland. Herself and Denise O'Sullivan play such an important role in this team. I love watching them two together. They're just so dynamic together. They're hard players. You watch the, the defensive uh, duties that they do and then once they do recoup the ball and, you know, they just work so well together for me. Denise O'Sullivan is one of the best midfielders in the world at the moment and, you know, technically she's just so, so good. And McCabe, again, another great footballer, especially in the middle of the park, just really dictating things for Ireland and always setting the tone for them, really. Let's hear from Katie McCabe then, shall we? Because she is such a key part of this Irish side. The Republic of Ireland qualifying for the Women's World Cup for the very first time to great fanfare at home in the Republic. So let's have a listen to what one of their star players had to say in the build-up to the World Cup. I guess it's one of those tournaments you've always looked at when you were a kid. There was one back in 2002, which I remember as a seven-year-old girl, kind of looking at and being like, wouldn't it be cool to do that one day? You're on the world stage, so the pressure increases and um, the more eyes are on you and yeah, it's a special feeling and I guess to do that for the very first time with, with the Republic of Ireland makes it that bit sweeter. It's funny, obviously, we've qualified for our first major tournament, so people won't be expecting a lot from us. By no means do we want to be here um, and just be happy about it. Oh, we've qualified for our first major tournaments. We want to make sure we're competing in each and every single one of those group games. Now the result wasn't what we expected and what we wanted. Um, I hope we've done them proud tonight. We'll be looking to recover now um, and then push on for, for Canada. I've heard it's called a group of death. I've seen uh, a couple of things about that. As a small nation, you're always kind of the underdog in a way, but that's something we thrive off. And we're so passionate to play for our country and to be here representing the Republic of Ireland, seeing the tricolour fly, it's going to be exciting. That was quick. I only had two sips of my coffee. Katie McCabe ahead of this clash with Canada. They went hard at the Matildas late, Tanya. They forced Maka into a couple of saves. They're not going to make it easy for the Olympic champs. No, good to see she's uh, she's on the coffee and not the tea as well. But um, <laughs> no, they're not. You, that was you, wasn't Joe? <laughs> okay, yeah. I put Educating. on the coffee. Um, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to be an easy game for Canada at all. I think um, you know they've they will take some real confidence from that the Republic of Ireland their performance and in particular the last ten minutes where they pretty much through the kitchen sink at the Matildas and they were hanging on um, you know if they can keep themselves in the game that seems to be their sort of strategy is that keep things tight keep themselves in the game look to counter and then as the game kind of grows they start to push more numbers forward and that's something Canada's going to have to be mindful of um, you know but they're going to have to start well Canada otherwise yeah they're going to be pushed back pretty quickly. Ireland's got nothing to lose, right? They come into this game again. They said that they're the underdogs. They're, you know, they're, they're the newbies on the block. And Canada really has to come with a game plan to have that and understand how they're going to win that midfield battle to be able to progress the ball up the field, to be able to get those combinations, to be able to get something on goal. And, you know, it's important that Canada gets these three points tomorrow. Yeah, they both need to, need to get something. I mean, uh, let's do the maths here. If it's a draw and the Matildas win, it's good for us, isn't it? Some of the action a little bit earlier on. Colombia also took on the Korea Republic and Brianna Holden was there. 
Well, we were promised a physical and entertaining clash here at the SFS, and that is exactly what we got. Colombia defeating Korea Republic 2-0, and at times it looks like it could have been a little more. Linda Quesado was, of course, the talking point in the lead-up to this match, and she delivered on every bit of that hype, becoming the 10th youngest player to score at a World Cup in history and the youngest player to score in this World Cup so far. But of course, she had excellent support from Catalina Usman and Mayra Ramirez up front. And Colombia really showed just why their width is so important. But of course, the defense was also key. They really managed to minimize any of that Korean impact and particularly Ji So Yoon, their star player, former Chelsea striker and 67 goals to her name in the national team. But 68 wasn't to come today. And after the match, Colin Bell, the coach of Korea Republic, was really disappointed in his team. He spoke about the fact that the Korean domestic league really needed to up its intensity if it wanted this Korean team to deliver on the international stage. So whether or not that, that happens in their clash against Morocco, we will have to wait and see. But at the moment, it feels like the Korean Republic side didn't deliver on what he believes was their potential. So this is an absolutely cracking Group H and we have to wait and see how they return against Morocco and of course how Colombia goes against Germany, which will be a fantastic match. Thank you so much. There was a couple of things that I absolutely loved in this game. Can we speak about Casado to begin with? She has played in the last 12 months at an under-17 World Cup, an under-20 World Cup, and now, Joe, she's banging them home at a Women's World Cup. It is so incredible to see. Incredible. She's uh, she's actually one of the one of the uh, players to watch in Europe. Also, there's uh, I mean, obviously at Real Madrid, but uh, quick, um, just good on the ball, instinctive, and has got an amazing shot on her. The other thing I loved was at noon on a Tuesday, Nules, Sydney Football Stadium was absolutely pumping. I was having messages from people there at the game saying they hadn't heard sound like it. It's unbelievable. I can see how many kids took the day off school today to actually beat that match. <laughs> yeah. I won't tell it. my daughter that it's allowed. <laughs> I used to be one of those kids that used to go to football matches on school days. But it's just so amazing to see how many people are getting behind the game in Australia and in New Zealand. I think it's just beautiful to see. It's great for the players that they're getting that support and, and seeing that all oh, so many different cultures are coming out to actually support them as well. It's amazing. Let's have a look at the Group H standings then and what that result has has done because Germany who were dominant in their opener weren't they they're yet to play their second game they remain with three points on top and a plus six goal difference wowie but Colombia as they get their account underway really did it in style today at the Sydney Football Stadium as well and showed us just how much they have to offer here at the Women's World Cup still plenty of work to do for both the Korea Republic and for Morocco who are at their very first World Cup let's have a look at some of the games we have coming up for you including Japan Costa Rica tomorrow Nules this is a Japanese side that in their opening game looked so impressive dominant Yes, but also ruthless. They did not take their feet off the throat at any time in this contest. They are a quality footballing team. They're, they're a great footballing nation. It just goes, this is not a fluke. This is a team that's obviously been in a, in a bit of a rebuild and a bit of a transition moment. But to see the way that they scored each and every one of their goals, it's just so pinpoint. The way that they make their passes, the way that they hit feet, the way that they combine with one another, it's just quality. And I've just got to say, this doesn't just happen overnight. This is years and years of investment, having a plan about a nation from men's football, women's football, and that's why they are being able to compete at each and every World Cup. 
think as well, when you look at the, the first three goals there, there's a clear game plan. They're looking to exploit down, down in the wide areas and then early crosses into the box to try and exploit in behind the, the back line. And, you know, that's probably something we haven't seen a lot from some of the bigger teams in this tournament so far. A real style of football and a real clear tactical um, I guess, strategy, um, and you could really see that, especially in the first three goals. Very clear in the way they play. Yeah, the identity is very, very clear and very, very important to them, but it's part of their development. Their development is, this is the identity, this is the style we want to play, this is how we're going to do it, and uh, and as you said before, um, you know, this it's not a fluke, and when you do that, when you have those programs, you can bring in a, a, a next generation or another generation, I think a lot easier. You know, One player comes out. Does another player comes in, they know the style, they know what's expected from them, they, they have that clear identity and, and that's something that a lot of footballing nations you know, are missing. At home in the lead up to this tournament I think they wondered whether that next gen was there yet, whether the tournament was coming a little bit too soon and they showed us in the opener that they are there alright. For Costa Rica who now take on Japan and know just how dangerous they are Joe, how do they bounce back from what from their perspective was a really disappointing result in their opener? Look, it's uh, it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, you, you've got a, you've got this uh, this Japanese team, as we've just discussed, who are just uh, they they it's, yeah they have their identity, but they they can also adapt to what they need to do. If they need to sort of contain a little bit, they can. They just find solutions everywhere because their football intelligence, their football positioning on the pitch is just really really important. Costa Rica, you know, hopefully, you know, they 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 maybe might have to neutralise. Um, Japan with the ball a little bit and, and hope, hope for the best in terms of going forward. Let's see, let's see. They will have taken some lessons, T, out of their opening loss to Spain because this Spanish side showed us the goods in the opener. We wondered what Spain we would get in this tournament and they showed us that they're here to play. Rampant, weren't they? Um, you know, in the, we know they've got quality players. We know that they've had a little bit of disruption um, in the lead up with players maybe not being um, as available as, a, as they would like, but they put on a show and um, they're going to they're gonna be really hard to stop in this group. Let's have a look at some of those goals from their opening clash then for Spain because Zambia, beware. This is a Spanish side, Joe, that has attacking riches galore. Yeah, look, we, we probably expected a little bit more from Zambia in, uh, in the first game, especially with Barbara Banda and their, and their ability to break. Um, but they were... were we're not even able to, uh, I suppose, when they did win the ball, have anything constructive or, or have sort of good solutions going forward, which was really disappointing. I hope, I hope that they, they've learnt and they, they come out and, and give us a little bit more. But what can I say about Spain? You know, you, we're talking about two teams, Japan and Spain. These are the best in the world and uh, they're just a delight to watch and just, uh, you know, I, I watch them and learn so much, you know, from a coaching perspective and, and I hope the fans enjoy them too. Group C throwing up some serious quality nulls, including Fatea, who we saw back in action on match day one. She's recovering from that serious ACL injury. She'd had limited minutes in the lead up to the World Cup. Where, she, where is she at as she builds her way into this tournament? I think it was just strategic from them, bringing her in off the bench and making sure that she's getting minutes and she's building into this tournament. They know that they're sitting in a good position in this group and for her it's about building herself into the tournament and starting to get that confidence and making her hit, hit her straps at the right time. Let's have a look at Group C standings then after two dominant victories from both Japan and Spain in those opening games. Costa Rica and Zambia with the goal difference that exists there, a whole heap to do for them both. 
but Japan and Spain have lit up this Women's World Cup already and I cannot wait to see them both in action again. Another clash I am absolutely excited about is the USA taking on the Netherlands. This one is on Thursday. Thursday is a big day. Let your boss know now you might not be in because this is early on Thursday morning from 10 a.m. Eastern and we have a replay of the 2019 Women's World Cup final, the USA up against the Netherlands. It promises to be an absolute cracker. Quick reminder of what's taken place today just in case you missed a moment of the action and don't forget on the Optusport app you can see all the mini matches, the highlights right there. Watch back and see Colombia dancing their way to victory in front of a rocking Sydney football stadium. 2-0 over the Korea Republic. That was our final match day one game. And then we got match day twos underway with New Zealand up against the Philippines. And the host nation got a bit of a shock to the system. The Philippines with their first Women's World Cup victory in history. 1-0 winners over New Zealand. Serena Bolden with their first ever Women's World Cup goal. And tonight in Group A, the other Group A clash, Switzerland-Norway finished nil nil Norway still yet to register a victory at this Women's World Cup so far so coming up tomorrow for you here on Optus Sport you do not need to miss a minute of the action at this Women's World Cup this Japanese side is worth a watch warm up for this game by watching their opener against Zambia because they were absolutely on fire Knowles what happens when Japan meets Costa Rica tomorrow in Dunedin Japan win well, that was succinct. Thank you so much. <laughs> Joe, would you like to build on that? Not really. Um, <laughs> Japan will win. Um, comfortably. Quite, yeah, I think quite comfortably. But let's, let's, let's hope Zambia give them a game. And a word, the final game of the game, Canada up against the Republic of Ireland. Big from an Aussie perspective. How does it play out? Massive game. I think Canada's going to be a little bit too good, but, you know, I really want Ireland to get something out of this game. Catherine Canooley, Joe Montemuro, Tanya Oxtoby, thank you so much for your company today. Thank you for your company at home. It has been brilliant to have you with us on Match Day 6 here at Optus Sport. Enjoy a bit of a rest up tonight. Join us back for daily kickoff tomorrow morning from 8am Eastern. We'll see you there. Have a great night. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.